Welcome to the London Welsh Rugby Club podcast. This is episode 17. Lots of news this week before we get to our main guest interview. The RFU have announced some changes in the phased return of community rugby, which takes place from September the 1st. The progression to stage D on the return to rugby roadmap means that limited and adapted contact activity can now be included in a training session and inter-club touch ready for rugby fixtures are allowed. This is perfect timing as we have the return of our minis and youth players on Sunday the 6th of September, whose season will commence at Grey Court School for the first two weeks whilst the cricket season finishes at ODP. To reassure parents of our players, all team managers are aware of our COVID regulations and will ensure all training sessions are as safe as can be for our children and we have purchased all the necessary equipment. The club are also running a Nat West Rugby Force weekend this weekend the 5th and 6th September, and are calling for all volunteers to turn up at the club at 10am on both days. We'll be clearing under the stand and painting it. Please watch out for this week's newsletter for more information on the event and how you can help our club. And now for the main guest interview. We hear from someone who's been with us from the start of Project Reset. Enjoy. Welcome to the pod, London Welsh centre and occasional winger, Rhys Howells. How are you, Rhys? Hi, Gareth. Yeah, really well, thank you. Good stuff. So, obviously, you know, we're coming out of lockdown now, but you've been in lockdown in Twickenham. How have you been keeping yourself active and, and sane during this, this period of uh, uncertainty, shall we say? Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's been a weird one, hasn't it? It's, um, I've, well, basically, at the start of lockdown, um, I was fortunate to be involved at my sort of local gym, um, right, one of the CrossFit gym in Surbiton. Uh, boys are going to laugh that I've mentioned CrossFit in about the first ten seconds, but uh, the, uh, they they they, and they they allowed us to basically take some kit home, so I was able to have sort of a, an assault bike, um, some weights and stuff like that. So actually, you know, when it was proper lockdown, I had a really decent gym set up. Um, and you know, my, my partner is also really into her exercise as well. So it was pretty easy for me to sort of stay on top of it. So actually, you know, really had a, didn't, didn't miss the, uh, actually being able to go to the gym at the start, but, um, took up a lot of running as well. Uh, started trying to get those 5k and 10k times down and, um, yeah, actually found a bit more of a love for that style of exercise. I've never been more of a runner, um, long distance wise, I've got short legs. Um, so you're more of a sprinter, but yeah, a bit more of running and obviously went down to a few barch sessions with Will. Um, that always nice to just be on, be outside working out and on the grass and stuff like that. So that was a nice change to the norm. Uh, and I, I can understand like being active is a big part of your life. We might come on to that actually, because some of my research does, you know, from the players and things that I've been speaking to, you do go on about CrossFit. We'll come on to that in a minute, but obviously, you know, um, what do you do for a living? Because uh, am I right thinking, do you work, um, you work for the same company as your, your dad? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's a family business. Uh, um, he set it up, uh, tw- well, actually, we're in our 20th year. So he set it up in early 2000. And um, 
it's a recruitment solutions provider to the education sector. So we uh, help schools attract and retain uh, quality talent um, and, you know, help teachers find you know, great opportunities in the UK and worldwide. And if you're now managing director of that, what's your dad? Is he like chairman, uh, chief, chief executive, everything? Yeah, he's, he's uh, chief executive. So he, he still rules the roost, but I'm, I'm slowly trying to, you know, elbow him out, get him, get him to retire properly and he can then go play golf and travel the world. And, and has the lockdown affected work at all in any way? We were pretty lucky, actually, because, I mean education is quite recession proof and pandemic proof as it turns out um there are you know schools needed teachers um to start obviously when schools are resuming on tuesday next week so the whole period and where, where we were quite lucky is we were we, we're very much permanent specialists in, in recruitment terms um so we don't rely on a big day-to-day -day temporary market which is the bit that was really impacted by um the lockdown Whereas that dropped off a cliff, we were able to just switch back to our normal mode, which is permanent recruitment staff for September. So, yeah, no, it's, it's been we've been impacted, but, um, you know, not not as bad as I, I've obviously heard a lot of people, uh, quite a few businesses out there have been. So pretty positive for us, luckily. Well, good news for you guys. But yes, it has been a challenging period. And actually, it was quite a strange mm. end of the season for the players. What did that feel like to you having the season cut short by, by four games? Um, I think the, the biggest one was it, it was a bit underwhelming, really. Um, you know, that league, again, it was the start of, you could start to see a bit of a challenge for the boys in some of the games. And the last three or four games that we had coming up were against that almost second, third and fourth position. So, you know, they, and they were really going to come after us. So I think a lot of, you know, a lot of us were really looking forward to the challenge of you know, properly putting these guys in their place. but. Um, so, yeah, not being able to actually play out the end of the season was just, yeah, underwhelming. Um, and then you had this anxiety of, oh, are we going to get promoted? Or, you know, are we just going to have to play that league again? And so, yeah, there's a few, quite a few negative feelings, really. And then you had, as always, the RFU award us the promotion and the league winners. And then you have a Zoom call with the coaching team and the rest of the players. Was that, was that like closure on the season for you or still a bit, bit of a strange one? Um, yeah, I mean that that was that was great. To be fair, it was that's probably the biggest Zoom call I think I've seen. Um, there was about 50, 60 boys on there, um, you know, and everyone's forgotten the fact that they're in their room, in their living room, on their own drinking. But just uh, yeah, proper celebrations. Uh, we heard from the captain, from the rev, um, you know, a few other, and Kai was on there as well. Just yeah, so it did. It gave a bit of uh, a chance for the boys to really you know, celebrate and be happy that, you know, we're, we're going up again, continuing our, our mission, our plan. Just amazing, hasn't it? To have that many people on that Zoom call, this shows what tight, sort of knit, big squad that we've got, really. And that that's just, you know, demonstrates, you know, the togetherness of the whole squad and what, the, and what a great job the coaching team have done, really, to get you all together. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, let's go back to where you all started for you. Because you... Um, were you born in England and to and raise and um, your parents are Welsh? Um, so where did you grow up and when did you start playing rugby? Really? Yeah. So um, I yeah I'm a, a plastic Welsh. Uh, my dad father's from Swansea. Um, and mum mum's actually she's Irish. She's a she's a London Irish girl. So um, 
so I'm yeah more more Irish and Welsh than I am English by blood. But uh, yeah, born in born in Harrow, grew up in Ealing uh, originally, and then moved out to uh, sort of Surrey, Surrey, uh, out of Surrey after that. And um, yeah, first rugby club was Camberley RFC, who which interestingly is in our league this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, so you go on, carry on. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, I just, yeah, started playing there, played all my minis there, basically learned, you know, learned how to play there. And then at the age of nine, I think, we moved to Spain, actually. Um, family moved out there. Uh, work reasons, my dad had just sold his first business and I think he aimed to retire at the age of about 45 <laughs> and uh, realised it was boring because no one else was retired. So it was got straight back into the workplace but um yeah spent two years in Spain and that's that's actually where I am um, I was about nine or ten and I was playing for the under 13s in for Marbella Rugby Club and um that's where I really sort of learned how to sort of punch above my weight in terms of I was a skinny tiny little blonde English boy playing with you know what they seemed massive to me at the time they're probably normal size 13 year olds but um yeah, that's that's sort of where my junior rugby all sort of came around, Camberley and, and Marbella. And you went to, so you, you came back from Spain. I mean, obviously, uh, the RFU wouldn't allow that in the UK, but nine-year-olds to play up four years, yeah. you know, 13s. <laughs> but look, it's character-forming for you and it made you the sort of player you are today, which, which is great. So when you came back from Spain, where did you, did you go to rugby playing school? Yeah, so I mean, the, pretty much the reason for coming back was... Um, schooling and uh I'd, I'd i'd had my sort of heart set on wellington college and obviously i had the, had the fortune um of going there obviously excellent school uh but it was it was the rugby that attracted me i, I remember meeting james haskell when i was younger and he was just um just leaving wellington um and yeah i just remember seeing like how bloody massive he was and yeah, i was like if that's what wellington does to you i'm going there that and you know i heard about all his know playing success and stuff so yeah I was I was always uh, keen to go there so I joined Wellington at 13 um, and yeah the next five years played some pretty you know elite rugby Um, I think we were my year group uh, I think we lost one game in five years or so I think so really talented year um, which was great for you know development as a young rugby player so did you, did you enter the competitions like the Daily Mail Cup and Rosslyn Park Sevens and were you successful in, in those tournaments? Yeah, yeah. So the, um, we were in both. Uh, Daily Mail, we won at, in my lower sixth year. So when I was 17, we were the Daily Mail winners. Um, so we managed to get all the way and win that. And I mean, that squad had some serious players, like guys that went on then to uh, represent England Sevens, like Christopher, uh, Christian Lewis. Uh, Sam Edgley. We had um, the younger Armitage brother, Guy Armitage, um, and Max Laheef, who's now he's playing for Bristol Bears at the moment. Played so, for yeah, the Welsh. He's played for the Welsh as well, you know. He has, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. And um, yeah, I mean the pedigree of that for a boys' team was was just ridiculous. And uh, yeah, went on. We won um, Roslyn Park as well. I think we did the double header. I unfortunately had my seen my last year I, I had an ACL tear um so I actually missed pretty much the whole season or uh, at an upper six um where the guys went through and they won Roslyn Park sevens again um so I, I was on the, on the sideline in my crutches at that time but 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's my formative sort of rugby years, really, really sort of in a almost professional setup at school. You know, we had gym on site and everything, you know, conditioning, training, everything is very, really good for that. And it's taken, taken very seriously, imagine. Imagine you had like top coaches and that sort of thing. And the aspirations were to like to, to be successful at the Daily Mail and Rostin Park and be an advert for rec- recruiting rookie players to Wellington College for the future, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know, you know, the school has maintained its its rugby sort of prowess while, you know, really it, it, it was wanted to up the academics as well. But, you know, everyone thought it would... Uh, impact on the sports and stuff but it's actually they're still you know a top top side um regularly getting into the later stages of it's not called daily mail cup anymore but um of you know national tournaments which is which is good so you talk a lot about players in your sort of cohort then but how many of those um will be playing rugby so i know max is playing at bristol guys yeah might have gone to rugby league but out of that sort of group you know how many are still playing do you think I was trying to wrap my brain in terms of who, who is still in apart from you know myself. As of this year, only one other who was playing serious rugby. He was in yeah, playing for Ealing, um, Joe Monroe, centre. Um, but he, I think, he stopped this year as well. But yeah, most pretty much across the whole squad back of the Wellington days, he, yeah, every boy was capable of playing good rugby, but. There just wasn't the sort of desire after almost university put an end, whether it's university rugby or, um, you know, you just get into the life of, you know, a student where it's just going out and drinking and, you know, having fun too much. Um, yeah, there was a massive drop off really at, at that university stage. Yeah, I really think that's an area that RFU have tried to focus on, but it's very challenging because, you know, obviously those players are taking it very seriously, maybe too seriously at too young an age. And they tend to like maybe fall out of love with the game. And then you say as their careers commence, they just find, you know what, I'm going to focus my career and, you know, rugby club, you know, because they haven't been part of, you know, a lot of those boys maybe not being part of a rugby club at 16, 17, 18. Yeah. Don't feel part of the community once they leave university. And that to me saddens me because it should be, you know, all those players should be populating all the clubs around the UK, having fun playing rugby, mm. having lots of mates like you're doing and having a few beers after a game. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, as, as you said, when, you know, a lot of the, the guys, school rugby takes precedence and they obviously come out of the club frame to focus on the school. But obviously school comes to an end and everyone then disperses. And yeah, you're right. There's no community to come back to really. And so I, my, I jumped around in my sort of, I was quite a mercenary, to be honest, throughout my sort of youth rugby because I, I, I played for Cobham up to, under 16s I think and then obviously school took over I wasn't able to play the two games but um, I think one of the other issues is you know especially boys in some of the elite setups um, you know when when they get sort of to the point where there's the you know selection and cuts and stuff I feel like a lot of boys take that as a real message of I'm I'm not good enough to play and and there's a big you know people just just throw it in the in the bin really at that point and I you know I do think there needs to be something done from, you know, whether it's the RFU or another organisation, almost to set up like a university clearing style system for those boys that, you know, clearly decent rugby players and should be then filtered back into the community rather than you're cut from Quinns, Irish, whatever, and then you're out. 
Yeah, I mean, look, you know, for me, I, I, we lose a lot of it in youth, right? And I, and I say, like, you know, school to your 18, club for life. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I've got a big mm. theme in my bonnet about it, this. there has got to be a better way yeah. of keeping people in the game. But look, you know, you're a school and you said you played to your, a Cobham to your 16, but when did Welsh exiles come into your life? And, and what, what, what did that mean for you, really, in your rugby? Uh, I mean, that, that happened quite young. I think my first experience was in... Um, at least maybe it could have been under 13s or 15s around that time um, and yeah went to played a couple of sevens tournaments I think we played one down in Llandovery um, for an exiles team um, and I think Terrawin was there um, back in the day and uh, it yeah from that I mean it was just an awesome pathway I think other yeah, young Welsh lads like whatever degree of Welshness they have in them there is a, you know, a desire, even though they live in England and, you know, they're surrounded by English, you know, RFU and all that stuff. I still, there's such a desire, like a burning desire to be a Welsh rugby player still. Like it's, it's real, you know, whether it comes from over-passionate dads or whatever. But the, um, you know, I, I was, one thing I wanted to do was play for Wales. I wasn't interested in England. I was like, I want to play for Wales. And then Exiles just made this amazing pathway where, you know, I got picked up by um, the Dragons regional um, age grade at that time at under 15, 16. And yeah, from that point on, I was sort of in the, in the Welsh age grade system then. So, so you, in, do you actually play some games with Dragons and then from that, I suppose they, you know, they have to select from all four regions a squad. Is it, would it be only under 18s and under 20s you would have played at to that level? Yeah, so it was six. Yeah, 16s was the first age grade. And yeah, we did the regionals. And actually, it was five regions because uh, Cardiff, North and South, there was a split region in, in that in that, at that age. And um, yeah, so you played this sort of uh, small tournament, almost like a Five Nations tournament, but in, in the regions of Wales, um, where, you know, I played against Scott Williams. He was playing for the Scarlets region. Um, and quite a few other lads who have who've done pretty well in the, in the full Welsh setup. But um yeah, from that, then the Welsh 16s age grade was picked from, you know, the, the boys who stood out in that age. And yeah, and once I was in the 16s, I got pulled through into the 18s um, and unfortunately never made it to the 20s because of the um, ACL injury, missed the sort of initial trial at all, all timings for that one. But That's fair enough. You know, you obviously to represent your country at any age is, 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 is amazing and you know, so you mentioned obviously the competition you're up against. So it's you know it's great. But what what else did the Exiles give you to think? Because you went to Cardiff University and the Exiles, I know, have got a you know, great pathway into into Wales for education as well. Did they, were they of any help at all to you? Joe, you know they did. They act, they helped me when I went down to Cardiff to introduce me to uh, Cardiff coach Martin Fowler. Uh, there was a link there because the Exiles played. I think pre-season game at some point or whether it was a regular fixture or something against um, against the Cardiff University side, just a sort of, you know, social game. And um, the, yeah, it, it, you know, when we get introduced to um, coach at Cardiff, which again, just almost right place, right time, you know, I, was, I started right there pre-season with them, which got me, um, yeah, in a good stead for the season with Cardiff. But it, it made you know it clear to me that that's where I wanted to go to university as well. Just again following that Welsh, um, you know, whether it's that returning home style, you know, urge that some people 
we'll get. But yeah, I was, I was, I was very keen set on going to university in Cardiff. And so you you would have played for Cardiff University for three or four years. Is it, is it, would it been, wouldn't mean the box league then, but in some sort of university league, yeah? Yeah, yeah. We were, um, we were in Bucks. Well, we went into Bucks. First year was um, Bucks 2 or the, the league below. And we then got promoted into the top one. We had, again, again, it seems a common occurrence. I do come across some good players where, wherever I go. And we had a quality team in my second year. Um, Jake Cooper Woolley, who's Wasps now, Wasps front row. Uh, he was our captain. A um, couple of other lads that have played Dragons and stuff after uni as well. So, yeah, we, we did really well in that league. Um, and, yeah, got up, played against the Baths, the, um, well, up to Durham in the Bucks Cup and everything. So, yeah, it was a um, good level of rugby. But I was, I was playing actually on the, as well as doing the university, I was on the playing for, for Glamorgan one as well at the same time so I was doing the two games a week which I don't know how I managed to keep up you were young you were young and you could do it so so, so lots of university rugby you know and obviously that's a high standard of rugby you're playing at which is great so that you're continuing on, on that so post university you know did you, you know, I've, I've sort of doing a bit of research on your research as, I, as I, I try and do but you've had some appearances with Bedwas and Ebel Bale in the Welsh Premiership so there's still some sort of aspirations of, of playing for in the regions at that age at all yeah, I mean, I was I was keen to um, stick around, and obviously, you know, that's the second top level in Welsh rugby. Um, and yeah, played uh, a bit for Bedworth, but I did, uh, you know, I can't say I can't claim to have played being a regular fixture for them. I was um, sort of a, a substitute player, you know, being a young twenty-one-year-old or so, um, just trying to break break in. And um, but yeah, decided to. Um, leave there. Actually, didn't play for Ebervale though. I'm not sure. There might be another Reese Howells out there. It's okay. quite common. Blame Google. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, I actually went from Bedworth. I actually then came um, back back to London and joined Isha. Ah, okay. And did you? So the Isha were the national leagues. And did you um, have? You know, what what was the experience like at Isha? Because they were. Uh, I know in 2011 and 12, mm. London Welsh were playing them. So were you? Was it? Was it that era or was it after that? It was just after that. So they were Nat one um, at the time. And I think Welsh had then gone up to the championship. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, was an inch. It was, it, was, it was again, it was uh, probably a step up again. I think the, some in the Welsh Premiership, I think there's a quite a variety of teams at the top end. You've got obviously Ponty Prees, you're, you're you know, serious rugby. But then at, at the bottom end, there can be a different quality and stuff but um yeah playing in the english leagues just the you know, amount of teams and stuff it was um yeah a bit of a step up again i think uh from where i had been and i got a few opportunities to play but again wasn't you know breaking into the squad full time on on the regular um and to be fair i, I wasn't actually in the you know, prime of sort of rugby playing sort of condition at the time you know i wasn't into the levels of fitness that I am am now um, and stuff so you know I've I've learned lessons from that and and I think that's what why I am like how I am today in terms of how dedicated to sort of my training and my fitness and stuff because yeah I probably missed out on um, you know playing a lot of regular high quality level rugby just because I wasn't taking it that seriously. So how long were you at Isha for and did you leave Isha and then come to London Welsh or are there other clubs in between that? I, I was at Isha for two years um, and left and actually I, I actually gave up 
rugby um, to to an extent. I went, ended up playing for yeah, almost a, the equivalent of a Sunday league social side, the old Wellingtonian rugby team, which was, um, I don't even know if you can call it a league. I can't even remember what, what level it was. But, um, you know, that was a no training, turn up, turn up on a Saturday morning, you know, hungover, play, you know, go home, get on the get on the booze again after it. So wasn't um wasn't exactly the illustrious uh <laughs> level of playing that I was I've been used to. But it's um it made me actually realise, hang on, I do miss like that structure of like an actual club. Um, you know, I I really while I'm still, you know, I was, I was only twenty seven or so, twenty six, twenty seven at the time, I did think I've got I've got some years of playing in me. I want to make the most of them. Look, there's a place for that sort of rugby, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? For everyone. I mean, rugby is for everyone. You can be at any level and you'd have enjoyed the experience there, having a few beers and over. But obviously, you come to a realisation, you know, when you're mid-twenties, you want to maximise your talent at rugby. And then, you know, the London Welsh Restart Project sort of thing um, commenced. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that when you sort of, um, your eyes opened up to the prospects of playing for London Welsh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's when I joined. And, and to be honest, I, I had no idea about um, Project Reset, like as, as it was. I had gone to uni with um, Lloyd Davies and Morgan Brown um, and a few other boys that were playing in the amateur setup. And, you know, they, they'd been saying, um, trying to get me down for a couple of years. And I'd always thought, no, no, I'm, I'm playing here, I'm playing there. And yeah, Lloyd sort of messaged being like, you need to come down this year. Um, it's different. We're now the first team um, and Sonny's coaching. And I was like, well, who do you mean Sonny? He's like, Sonny Parker. So, and that was, I was, job decision made. I was like, I might as well go play under, you know, someone like that and, and learn from such an awesome player. Um, so yeah, turned up at pre-season 2000, what are we now? 2017. Um, and yeah, haven't looked back since. So it was basically, it, it, it wasn't like, you'd obviously heard of London Welsh as a, as a club and you had mates yeah. playing there, but it still took a while for you to sort of, you know, get, get to London Welsh. And it's only the, you would say, the attraction of Sonny Parker and, and some of your mates playing there made you, made you consider it, I suppose, yeah? Yeah, and, and the right place, yeah, well, wrong place for me. I was playing at, you know, the old Wellingtonians and wasn't enjoying it and almost, you know, realizing I, I wanted a club again to find you know proper I wanted to train I wanted to play in a regular team that you know who had moves and structures and you know uh, regular players week on week and yeah it just came about the right time and Lloyd mentioned it and yeah definitely and obviously I'd, you know, I'd, I'd been around London Welsh yeah, since a child as well um, and even even in between when I was I had took a gap here I even trained down with the team during a pre-season when Lynn Jones was coaching trained did a few uh, weeks of training just along with them um, and stuff. So, yeah, it's always been on the periphery, almost as if it's, yeah, I've been waiting for the right time to come. And that, it seemed when the project reset hit, that was definitely the right time for me. Okay. So, what was your, your experience of that first season? You know, and what was it, you know, what, what was it like with Sonny as director of rugby? Obviously, Kai was there playing loads of games and inspiring the forwards. You know, what, what, what was that like from your perspective? Because obviously you had big crowds there, you know, six, seven hundred watching those games. Yeah, yeah, it was it, bizarre, actually. Um, and actually my first game, um, I've just got to think back now. My first game was... Watford away. Yes, Watford away. And honestly, I did look at Lloyd and go, what have you brought me down to? 
um, because it was it was a bit of a shambles. I mean, again, you know, the project reset had hit. I don't think again the preseason was uh, you know a bit up and down. I, don't, I think it was sort of Kai and Sonny's first you know coaching season together. So anyway, we sort of had didn't have any all of our we weren't, didn't have the polish that we had in later games, and uh, it was a bit of a shambles. We won, but yeah, we we definitely took a few tries on, and uh, wasn't the the demolishing we put we put about for the rest of the season but um yeah it it was bizarre having knowing the level of rugby wasn't wasn't amazing wasn't fantastic but the fact that we had these crowds of you know six seven eight hundred people supporting us as if we're you know a, a professional club it was just it was amazing and it, it proper just blew me away um how you know how much people love this club um, and yeah, it really made me instantly fall in love with uh, what what we do here. That's, that's brilliant to hear that. So obviously, you, you put eighty points on uh, Watford at the home game, last game of the season. So I suppose that's, that's yeah. when the, you had a polished performance and uh, not a half a half yeah. referee as well. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, helpful, helpful, friendly refs. <laughs> <laughs> so, what were your sort of key memories of that first season? And so I suppose you know, coming to a team was knowing a couple of mates, but you had made some sort of key friendships during that no. first season, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, made you know some friends for life. Really, it was a proper. Uh, um, what's the word? Yeah, just just like a real transformational season for me, and you know, in terms of what who I was and where I was. But the um, Memphis fondest. I mean, playing against um, Wasps RFC and Sunny had to play play with us. I think for the second half, we took, had too many injuries. Um, so I was 13 and I've got Sonny Parker on the wing outside me and um, just remember giving him the ball and, you know, I don't think he'd done much running and training himself at the time. So he, he just almost stood there and handed off about six people continuously for about five minutes, not <laughs> passing anything, just throwing these kids about. Um, and I just thought that was just the coolest thing. The fact that I've just given Sonny a pass and put him in for a try at one point as well. So that was a cool moment. Uh, for me as a sort of Welsh fan as well. That's great. So obviously that's the first season get promoted from Hassel six one. Then sort of Sunny leaves for back to New Zealand and so Kai takes over. And what you know from a playing perspective, um what was a key difference that, that Kai um that when Kai took over, what were the sort of key differences for you as a player, do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean that's it was an interesting moment because again you know as i said previously you know sunny that was a real um attraction for me to be there and you know I, the thought of him being the coach for however long was you know that was definitely in my head but um the you know when, when he had to leave you know he, he had his, his own reasons to leave and, and obviously uh we wished him all the best and kai taking over then it was it was great because you know kai as a player coach had, you know, been on the pitch with us already. Um, you know, he'd bled and sweat with us and, you know, we'd all fought together in the, in the front line. So, you know, he had this immediate, almost kindred, you know, brotherhood with your coach, which I've never had before. Normally your coach is uh, your coach and there's, there's a bit of a gap between players and coaches and stuff like that. But, you know, Kai, he'd been out with the beers, with, on the beers with us and everything. So it was, it was cool to have a coach that you can really, almost yeah regard as you know a bit of a mate as well but also talk very openly and honest with um because there's that there's not that barrier between normal coach and player okay and then obviously then we had 
Steve Shingler joined last season, and you know, again, as being a back, he'd have been you know, sort of inspired by that. So, what, what, does, what does he bring to, to the mix from, from your perspective, Reese? Yeah, Steve, Steve is um, he brings a serious amount of professionalism to the, um, the way the backs think and do, and actually the structure for the, the whole team. You know, he's not just um, thinking backs, you know, it's the whole being, you know, a fly half and a real playmaker himself. The way he's, you know, talking about us, the way we move up and down the pitch, what we do in certain areas. Um, yeah, he's, he's almost, you know, he's approaching it from like a scientific approach. It's, it's really, uh, it's, yeah, refreshing having him there. And I was, you know, we, we've had a, with, you know, Sonny one year, Tom May the next, we, you know, a bit of, a bit fragmented from the backs perspective in terms of we haven't had a coach that can, we can have for a few years years to really you know grow with and develop with so yeah Steve uh, I'm looking forward to having playing with him this year again building on what we did last year knowing what he's looking for um, but yeah he's all about flair as well like he wants the boys to um, play you know that famous Welsh uh, breed of rugby of just you know wide and fast really. Now that, that's good to hear that Do you mean uh, you know because I, I know um a lot of the players have been singing Stephen's praise, which is great. So, but every season we seem to have new players joining the squad. How easy is it for them to bond? Because the squad keeps getting bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's this is this year is absolutely mental. How many, how the words got out and stuff. And it's you know, I think a lot of people think we've been around, you know, poaching players all over the place. And you know, the the reality is boys are hearing about London Welsh and hearing about London Welsh doing well and, and you know they're coming down you know they want a part they want to be a part of you know what's looking to be a historic and meteoric you know rise for, for a team coming back to former glory so it's no surprise you know we even last night we had training and um, that the rain and the wind and it was thunder and everything you'd think most teams at our level were probably have a few boys that think I'm going to stay inside tonight. You know, it's only pre-season, etc. We had 60 boys there, you know, almost full attendance um, for the main, you know, performance squad. And it's, you know, it's difficult, loads of new faces. And, you know, some of them get right, you know, you can almost recognise the characters and the big, the big uh, personalities. But, um, you know, we, we try our hardest. We've already had, um, well, we've had a one... The initial uh, get together, socially distanced, of course, um, where you know there's a chance for everyone to meet each other, um, and we've had one uh, social already as well. Just again, being, uh, adhering to all the rules, but um, yeah, just a chance for boys to, you know, have a have a beer and really, you know, uh, get to know each other and have a, have a laugh, really. You're actually um, on the social committee, aren't you? So, um, what's involved in that, and what? You know what? What we got planned until whenever the season starts, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, it actually, we we do take it quite seriously. Uh, me and Baldwin. Uh, now I think of the the, the last remaining ones. It, there, there was a, a group of four or five of us, but um, I think a few of the boys have got other responsibilities and stuff to get on with, and <clears throat> probably actual jobs to do. So um, yeah, we you know we do we get together and we look at the timetables and the seasons you know when we've got home games for various teams at the same time which means you know ample great opportunity to have a social um you know because it's not about 
out just the ones, you know, we want to get the Druids, the Okies, whoever's around, you know, get them all involved. So, um, yeah, we actually do plan quite a bit, um, looking at the tours as well, which we were, we were unfortunately weren't able to go to uh, Spain for our Marbella tour um, in April, which was a, a shame. Um, that would have been very fun. But yeah, yeah, we, we do try like to take it seriously. But Kai, Kai's in the group as well. He, he has a say and the Revs always, um, always involved and overseeing. And I think he sees us as sort of his, his protege. That he's, he's sort of just grooming to take over the, the social life of London Welsh at some point. Yeah, Danny loves a social. Great to hear about the tour and hopefully, you know, Marbella can happen next year and Danny can come and, and all that sort of thing. So now they're into pre-season, how has the intensity gone up in training and also maybe over the matches over the last years and how do you personally prepare for that? Yeah, the, um, the training this year, you know, last, I thought last year was tough as well. We were on pools on the park all the time and yeah, definitely got through, put through our paces, but somehow yeah wills managed to come up with some evil evil sort of running and and uh fitness drills that yeah are really um highlighting who needs to do a bit more uh fitness and who's who's doing all right but yeah even i pride myself on yeah being quite a quite decent fitness level you know even i do find some of them you know seriously challenging uh and you got to really really just get in the zone and and uh take it on really but um yeah it's it's good and you know we looking at what's the season ahead i know we're probably going to talk about the season ahead and what's going to happen there but you know we we are going full intensity now like considering we're not actually sure when the season's starting etc it could be a long way in the distance but i think the mindset is you know the more we put in you know, the better we're going to come out at the other end whenever that is. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is great. I'm, I'm loving we got to, you know, play a bit more of a rugby um, style sort of, uh, you know, touch games thing last night. So it actually started to show, again, what sort of skills we've got and uh, playing some of the structures and stuff like that. But, yeah, no, the intensity is, is so much higher this year. So rumour has it, you know, and maybe it's self-proclaimed, but, you know, some of the players, you know, think that you think you're the fittest bloke in the squad. Is that still the case with some of the new players around? Um, it's hard. And actually, self-proclaimed, I, I refute that. That, that is, <laughs> I got given that accolade by the conditioning coach himself. So I don't, you know, <laughs> what else can I say to say? But um, the... There are, you know, some quick. What I've noticed is there's some speed. Um, some of the new boys have come down. They've got some serious wheels. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, straight sort of sprint, sprint foot race. Um, yeah, they they've definitely got that title. But uh, yeah, I've still still think I'm showing some of the youngsters how it's done, which is. Good. Look, you know, I think, um, does Will give you some like fitness targets in terms of what you need to achieve by certain periods, or is it is it you know is it just is it just you know the the competition you've got now um, with the, the number of players that we have, and that just drives the standards in training? I think that's more at the latter. There, it's it's you know we are all responsible, and again, you know we're still an amateur club. You know we take it very seriously, but. Um, yeah, I don't. They haven't gone as far to actually give you know individual targets and stuff. And I think the boys, you know, when they turned up for their first session and we got put through a sort of savage, you know, almost like a 
a really aggressive test. I think that made a lot of the boys realize, oh, I've got to, you know, I've really got to start working on my fitness here because I can see, you know, we, we do a lot of it in position. So, you know, you're alongside your competition and you can quickly see if you're, you know, in a good place or not because you're either up with them or ahead of them or you're way behind. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's much, it's, it's on, it's on us really, I think. And I think that ownership is good because it's, you know, it, we're all grown ups and we're all responsible for doing our own things. And, you know, it's that we shouldn't wait for the training sessions, you know, which are only twice a week to get our fitness thing. We should be looking to do, you know, loads of that outside of training and then the training's a bonus. Um, yeah, it all, all, all ends up, you know, with good results for everyone, really, if everyone thinks like that. Yeah, you've got a long, you, it looks like you've got a long pre-season. You get to see that your competition, and, and that will, you know, and you'll, you'll realise, everyone realise themselves when they, what they need to do. And so that means yeah. that will drive, you know, so we'll be probably one of the fittest because we've got a big, we've got a depth of squads. So we'll be one of the fittest squads out there because of that depth. And so fitness yeah. you know, shouldn't be an issue as to why we're losing games potentially. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, depth, depth is, that's going to be a nice refreshing change. I think it was, a, you know, we've normally got a bit of a skeleton um, sort of squad, you know, in both teams, um, first Druids and wherever, you know, we've never got loads of, you know, players in reserve. So yeah, I mean, if, if everyone does stick around, um, obviously, you know, things do change over, over the preseason and stuff, but yeah, it'd be great to have, you know, players in the wings and, you know, not have to just rely on, you know, a core unit to survive the season. We've got, you know, the ability to play different players wherever. Yeah, and for me personally, it's to see players moving from Druids and, you know, having that Druids team and the first team really close in, sort of in quality and people moving seamlessly between both just shows them that you know, we're going to, you know, such a great performance squad really and people shouldn't be worried about where they're playing. Obviously, the first team, we've got the, the crowds, but I think we'll get more and more people coming to watch the Druids as well when they're at home and, and the first they're away because the quality will be there. Oh, absolutely. Like the Druids team, you know, they are going to, it's going to be some team this year. Um, and even, you know, even the Dragons. And, you know, it all depends on, you know, the motivations of the boys because, again, there's some very decent players, but realistically, we can only have, 22 in a match well it's not even uh, what can we have we can have nine, 19 20 in a match day 18 three subs still 18 there yeah. we are I don't even know my own rules but um, you know that's the thing and whether you know if lads lads if they're like me they're coming to start for the first um, you know and obviously you know if I, if I, if I play for the Dragons or Druids whatever I'll absolutely play and do, do my best for them but obviously your motivation is to play at the highest level um, and I think that would be the same for a lot of them. So whether, you know, if they don't get what they want, they want to play first team rugby somewhere, you know, I hope, I hope we can retain them all um, regardless what team they're playing in. But um, sometimes the realities uh, are that lads will want to, you know, they do want to pull on that first team jersey. Look, I think you know, that's Kai's job to keep everyone, try and keep everyone happy. The carrot is yeah. playing in front of that crowd. And you know that you've done it for the last three years. That crowd is something special. We're playing at level seven. So, you know, there's no rugby available anywhere at the moment. And so, and so it'll be available yeah. when, when National One has a, has a, has a fixture date. should be dates in place then for the leagues below that. Mm. And that, that's the thing for us. So the players, if they're going to leave London Welsh for whatever reason, they're leaving rugby and not to go to another club in, until the season yeah. starts. And then it's the challenges for Kai to 
the, just the dangle of carrot is, look, guys, you know, we've got to see what everyone's like and then see what, what happens over the next few weeks, next few games, people's forms, injuries. People will get a chance to play in that team. I'm sure they will. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I thought that was a bit of a rant from me. I don't know why. So what, what, what have they said about the assumption of rugby? Because no one really knows, do they? Really? Yeah, I mean, at, at the AGM the other day, uh, I think in November is still on the cards, but I heard last night someone said, no, it's been moved to December. So, yeah, it's it's completely up in the air. And I think, yeah, yeah we're in, what are we, are we still in C or stage C in yeah. the uh, recovery COVID um, process? So, yeah, which is, we can have larger groups of people, but it's, you know, still socially distant. And I think touch rugby is, is just about permitted. So, <clears throat> or, yeah, so... Yeah, until we get to the final stage of that, of um, F, then we can start thinking about contact the month after. So, yeah, re- realistically, I, yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we will be playing any proper rugby um, until at least Christmas, maybe even after. So, yeah, just hope the boys um, enjoy this sprint training and fitness that we keep doing. Well, look, yeah, I, think, I think the RFU can potentially shorten some of those windows, potentially, or depending on you know how... When people go back to school, people go back to the offices, what happens with the spread of the virus? But look, that's something outside of our control. We can only control the controllables. Now, one mm-hmm. thing you have done this year is volunteered to help coach the youth this year. And you've been allocated the under-18s. Yeah. You know, first of all, from a club perspective, really appreciate you doing that. But what, what do you personally expect to get out of that? Um, for me, it's, it's something I've always, you know, always thought would be real fulfilling um you know to actually you know, again impart whatever knowledge i i have um onto you know the the younger generation you know help you know younger lads achieve you know their you know their their potential stuff like that but it's um it's always been one of those things when i think about you know if, if i ever ever you know a little little rugby player of my own um coming up and you know i'd love to be able to know how to again coach them because I, I was really lucky that you know I had a, I had a father who um, not only a PE teacher but also used to coach Ricelip back in the day as a player coach there and yeah, that definitely you know helped my development growing up and the way I you know learned the game um, from a really early age and stuff and yeah I, I think if I can you know do half as much as what he did for me for, for you know my own uh, son or daughter um, growing up but look, you're, you're, yeah, they, they'll turn into decent. No, definitely. I think you're you're, you're going to be a role model. What's that? You'll be a role model for these 16, 17 year olds, and hopefully, you know, it, it, you can then talk to Kai and Will and say, look, we've got a couple of couple of lads here who you know could do a run now in training and see, have a look at them. And they could be a, a Dragons player, a, a Druids player, and just 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 you know, and yeah. hopefully, you know, we want people of that age to come and watch you play, Reese. Do you know what I mean? So you know, they, they should want to you know want to watch you yeah. Yeah. them. Yeah, it will be awesome as well. As in, you know, we, we've always spoken about that player pathway from um, youth to men's and it's, you know, it's a huge step up and, um, yeah, it, it will be, I'm, I'm so excited to be a part of it from for the London Welsh and the Richmond Barbarian sort of style squad that we've got. Um, and, yeah, it'd be, as you said, being able to, you know, earmark the boys that I think could, you know, come up into the men's rugby or at least, you know, come and train and stuff for a bit and get that first stuff. 
uh, taste of it. So, yeah, no, I'm really excited. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to be 100% making it up as I go uh, and just see, see how we get on. Well, you're learning from the best every Tuesday and Thursday. We've got five quality coaches at London Wells, so you'll take a bit of that, bring it to us, right. and, and yeah. continue. maybe you know, we can teach some of those patterns to the backs. Do you know what I mean? You're learning from Stephen and the others. But look, you know, that's, that's, yeah. your, that's your thoughts on London Wells. I've got some quick fire questions for you about you and maybe some of your teammates, okay? So, um, okay. Just, just, so who was your rugby hero when you were growing up? Oh, Shane Williams. That's fair enough. He's probably many a person's hero. And what what do you eat before a match? Uh, that's actually quite difficult. I'm actually rubbish um, with my diet before it. Um, but recently, it's been um, something sort of wholesome, like porridge, oats, stuff like that. So you're not not necessarily powered by Welsh cakes, then, though, and poor Beston's Welsh cakes. To be actually, they're always in the changing room, and I do definitely have about two or three before. They they do help, and jelly babies as well. And do you have any sort of any sort of pre-match rituals at all? Not really. I you know I'm I'm not. I don't like listening to music in terms of. I don't like putting headphones in. I like to be aware of everything around me. Uh, I like you know I want to talk to everyone. I want you know almost look everyone in the eye and you know see if they're up for it and all that stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's more about the team for me on that pre-match thing rather than myself. Like I want to, you know, I'm more about getting everyone up for it around me. That's fair enough. And um, what's your best moment in rugby? Best moment in rugby? Uh, I mean, I, I've got one. I mean, I scored uh, the sort of winning try at the Welsh Varsity at the Millennium Stadium uh, for Cardiff over Swansea when we we beat them by about 30 points uh, but scored the final try on that um, in the Cardiff end and I sort of went a bit mad celebrating right in front of the crowd that was that was pretty cool um, and I've got I mean another one I was my debut match for under 16's Wales um, started on the bench came on um, and off the kickoff we were losing we were getting beaten badly but off the kickoff I just saw where the ball was going I was on the wing so I was on the forward side it was up in the air and their eight who um it was a big boy at that time i just said i'm i'm just gonna hit this guy as hard as i can so i've flown into him he's gone flying everything and the balls hit me on the shoulder after the thing so instant yellow card my first debut lasted about five seconds and i was <laughs> off on tin bin but to almost a round of applause by the welsh coaches they absolutely loved it so you got noticed anyway, and that's the most amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah Started every game after that as well. <laughs> so it worked. So who's, yeah. the most, who's the most talented player in the London Welsh squad? Ah. Hey, toughie. That is a tough one. Um, I tell one of the most skillful players, I think he gets uh, underrated, and, and you know, he's always maybe a bit of contention with the fans. I'm not sure how... Uh, much of a favourite he is, but um, is Lloyd Davies. I think he is honestly one of the most skillful um, and almost, you know, he, the way he has got some serious feet. I mean, unfortunately, he's got, you won't mind me saying this, he's got no gas to follow up with, but he can step like anyone. Uh, he's, he's got some awesome feet and really good hands. I do think he's, he, he's up there, one of the most skillful. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, this year, it already, it seems like there's some real quality players, um, some exciting ones to look out for. So, we'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, an update at the end of the season. Yeah, no worries. And what was your, what's your favourite match at London Welsh across your three years at the club? Favourite match, favourite match. Um, I think Chiswick last year was a big one. Um, you know, they're a local, local derby. They, you know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of aggression between the two sides, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a competitive, you know, banter way, but you know, a lot of stuff on social media was said, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, yeah, we just put in, you know, a rare naught to 80 minute performance, um, where, you know, we just demolished them. And, um, it was, yeah, that was probably just one of the most complete games I think we've played. Uh, forwards and backs together, everything just running nicely. So yeah, Chiswick, I think last year would have to be that. Yeah, you were all definitely up for that game and probably, I think, the biggest away attendance for London Welsh crowd, I think, because it was so local. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. So which, which player uh, from London Welsh would you not want to be stuck to after they've had a few beers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... Bloody hell. There's there's so many nightmares. They're all there's <laughs> I don't think we've got enough time to go through them all. Um if you don't want to name one, that's fine, Reese, if you don't if you don't want to, but like you know, um, <laughs> I'll just, be yeah. diplomatic, yeah. There's a handful there. Okay, so, and um how many tries have you scored for London Welsh in the league? Joe, I've I've not you know, I, I mentioned I saw something today where I think you'd mentioned that I'd was top try scorer over over the three seasons. So I've not I've not actually been top try scorer in a season, but I do get a consistent sort of amount each season. So um probably 30, 30 tries overall. That's a very, very good guess. So it's 28 league tries. Oh, You're okay. one ahead of Ellis. Okay. So Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to do uh, something uh, about you, that. You've had <laughs> 43 league appearances. So just the third third behind uh, obviously Tom Baldwin and Kyle you got their 50th cap so that's the ambition for you next year is to get you know seven league appearances in the first isn't it and, and get yeah. that cap because it's quite a nice gift well, I, was, I was bloody messing about in Japan I missed out on the first month or so yeah you might have been there actually if it wasn't for that but uh, that sounds like yeah. a great trip anyway your trip to Japan um, oh yeah who, who is I suppose you know you don't really know the, uh, the some of the new players now so who was the fastest player in the squad last year uh, it's probably, I know he was injured for large parts of it, but, uh, Fred, Fred White Lightning, um, <laughs> he's, yeah, that he's elusively quick as well. He's just got that second gear that he can just hit when you think he's at full flight and he just goes again. Uh, yeah, he's, he's rapid. Uh, and finally, which player was sick at their first Will Taylor pre-season session? This, this year? Well, any year. Oh, I've, I've definitely, my first year was 100% me. Um, <laughs> first, yeah, I think I'd cut my lunch that day at work had been some sort of spicy chicken curry, a turn up and Will's putting us through the mill. And yeah, it all came up. But um, <laughs> I do want a special mention for Stefan Morgan, who's decided it's time for him to come down to Welsh and, and fulfil his, his uh, potential and play for us. And he's, he's been sick at, pretty much every training session so far, um, a month in. So he's doing well. 
Okay, well, good stuff. And so just to just wrap things up, Lee, so what does playing for a club like London Welsh mean to you and your family? Um, it, it means, I would say it, it absolutely means sort of everything for us, really. You know, it's my, my dad, actually, he played, uh, I think it was second team or, or played, you know, bits when he was younger. So, yeah, it's, it's almost a, a sort of fulfilment of a, you know, come full circle um, around to it. And it's, it's, it is, you know, it is like a family extended. You know, he, he's always come and watched me play wherever I am. You know, he's that kind of dad. Um, but now I know that he can come and he's actually seeing, you know, guys who are in the old squad. He's got a proper drinking group he can come and hang out with. And yeah, I think it's just a place where, you know, every one of us gets so much enjoyment from. Um, and yeah. Every, there's, there's not been a bad moment for myself or the family at London Welsh. No, great stuff, Reece. Look, look um, carry on doing what you're doing for the club. Really appreciate what you're doing for the under 18s as well. as well. Enjoy, enjoy pre-season and keep you know keep all, everyone there as much as you can. And look, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Really enjoyed it. Cheers. Really interesting to hear from Reese. Sorry if I got a bit of ranty on that interview, but I have a few strong opinions on school versus club rugby. I found it fascinating how much Welsh exiles help Reese gain to the Dragons and Wales age grade rugby, and it also does create a pathway to Welsh universities for lots of Welsh qualified players. As Reese mentions, he's a bit of a rugby nomad post university and even gave up for a while until he's convinced by Lloyd Davis and Morgan Brown to give London Welsh a shot. He has not looked back since he made that decision, being a top try scorer across three seasons, but more importantly, making great memories for himself at the club. Next week, our guest is Alex Davis. Until then, take care.